Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Submission to Authorities, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Welcome to our summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in First and Second Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, A Living Stone, A Chosen People, Part 3, August 22nd, we examined 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7-10. through 10. Of obvious note, we found that the same cornerstone was also a stumbling stone. When you physically examine both, you cannot help but understand the difference in size. A cornerstone is very large. A stumbling stone is very small, so as to go unnoticed by the one who stumbles over it. Another problematic issue we examined was the fact Barnes' New Testament notes said, It sufficiently describes any man to say that he is a believer in the Lord Jesus. Today, one can see quickly, in any church body environment, that this can be a real problem. Today, it allows people to be unsaved to say they are saved by Christ, even though they are not. This week, we start in verse 13 of chapter 2 in the book of 1 Peter. Our passage reads, Be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake, whether to a king as supreme or to governors as those he commissions to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do good. For God wants you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Live as free people, not using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. This is a summary Peter presents first. Peter then goes more in-depth in the next passage of Scripture. However, as we have already seen, even in summary, Peter is saying a lot. So let us see what Peter is telling us. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. In the Greek, to every creation of man. The meaning is, to every institution or appointment of man, to wit, of those who are in authority or who are appointed to administer government. The laws, institutes, and appointments of such a government may be spoken of as the creation of man, that is, as what man makes. Of course, what is here said must be understood with the limitation everywhere implied that what is ordained by those in authority is not contrary to the law of God. Reference, 
Acts chapter 4, verse 19. On the general duty here enjoined of subjection to civil authority, reference Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. For the Lord's sake, because he has required it and has entrusted this power to civil rulers, reference Romans chapter 13, verse 6. Compare Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. We have no king but Caesar. Quoting again. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. End quote. Peter undoubtedly had particular reference to the Roman emperors, but he uses a general term which would be applicable to all in whom the supreme power resided, and the injunction here would require submission to such authority by whatever name it might be called. The meaning is that we are to be subject to that authority whether exercised by the sovereign in person or by those who are appointed by him. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Let us further examine this commentary passage from the referenced verses to glean more understanding. Commentary said, Of course, what is here said must be understood with the limitation everywhere implied that what is ordained by those in authority is not contrary to the law of God. Acts chapter 4 verse 19. Acts chapter 4 verse 19 reads, But Peter and John replied, Whether it is right before God to obey you rather than God, you decide. On this point, commentary reads, It is not denied that magistrates are to be hearkened to and obeyed, but not more than God or in things that are contrary to his nature, will, law, honor, and glory, whatever is agreeable to the law and will of God commanded by magistrates, should be attended to and cheerfully obeyed, but what is not should be disregarded, whatever follows upon it. And this was so just and reasonable that the apostles appealed to the Sandrahedrum, or council itself, to determine. Our first finding here is that we are to obey the laws of our land and its governance unless that obedience or governance causes us to disobey God or our service to God is dulled. We obey God first and the laws and governance we are under second where it is right to do. We are not to be rebellious when we disagree with a law or our governance within the human aspect of how we are to live in peace within the land we live. Means and ways have been provided under the law and governance for us to object peaceably. Granted, this may not always be true, but in a large number of countries around the world, it is how things work. Even our Bible encourages us to manage issues this way. 
the very difficult thing for us to do is keep our emotions and feelings at bay so we can object in a peaceable fashion. Again, not that we will always succeed, but it is something we need to attempt and aspire to. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, was also referenced in John Gill's new exposition of the entire Bible, which reads, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except by God's appointment, and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So the person who resists such authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers cause no fear for good conduct, but for bad. Do you desire not to fear authority? Do good, and you will receive its commendation, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear, for it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Pay everyone what is owed, taxes to whom taxes are due. Revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Commentary referred this passage this way. On the general duty here enjoined of subjection to civil authority, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. For the Lord's sake, because he has required it, and has entrusted this power to civil rulers. Romans chapter 13, verse 6. Compare with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. Commentary on Romans chapter 13, verse 6 reads, To show that we are subject to the higher powers, and as a proof and evidence of our subjection to them, we do and ought to pay tribute to them to support them in their office and dignity. And this is done not for fear of trouble, of distress on goods and estate, or imprisonment of person, but for conscience' sake. Payment of taxes is not a mere matter of prudence and done to avoid dangerous consequence but is and ought to be a case of conscience. Whatever is anyone's due, and the right belongs to him, conscience dictates it ought to be paid him, as therefore it tells a man, that whatever is God's should be rendered to him, so whatever is Caesar's should be given to him, and indeed to do otherwise to refuse to pay tribute, or by any fraudulent means to deprive the civil magistrate of his due, is not only to do an injury to him, but to the whole body politic, 
which has a greater concern therein than he himself, and such a person forfeits all right and claim to his protection, for they are God's ministers. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. The Romans made all conquered provinces pay this tribute, and it would become a question whether it was right to acknowledge this claim and submit to it. Especially would this question be agitated by the Jews and by Jewish Christians. But on the principle which the apostle had laid down, it was right to do it, and was demanded by the very purposes of government. In a large sense, the word tribute means any tax paid on land or personal estate for the support of the government. From Barnes New Testament Notes. First, notice what John Gill said. So whatever is Caesar's should be given him, and indeed to do otherwise, to refuse to pay tribute, or by any fraudulent means to deprive the civil magistrate of his due, is not only to do an injury to him, but to the whole body politic which has a greater concern therein than he himself. And such a person forfeits all right and claim to his protection, for they are God's ministers. Now, notice what Barnes said. On the principle which the apostle had laid down, it was right to do it, and was demanded by the very purposes of government. In a larger sense, the word tribute means any tax. Again, the word tribute means any tax paid on land or personal estate for the support of the government. I think one can see quickly here that paying taxes to our respective governing bodies is a right thing to do. It seems quite reasonable to believe also that if we are children of God, we in fact therefore properly pay all taxation levied upon us by our respective governing bodies. If we do not, if we cheat our governing bodies, then it is not only to do an injury to him, but to the whole body politic. So the injury you cause by not paying taxes is upon more people than you may realize. By example, here in America, many poor people receive stipends, goods, and other help paid for by the taxes collected upon those who work and can pay the taxation found deducted in their weekly paychecks or monthly paychecks. If you live outside the United States, this may work a bit differently, but I think you understand my analogy here. I will read all of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8, as both verses are one sentence in my Bible. Verse 7, however, will be more of our focus here. Obey with enthusiasm, as though serving the Lord and not people, because you know that each person, whether slave or free, 
If he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. Remember that in biblical times, slavery was a big part of society in those days, something of which modern mankind has mostly moved away from, seeing correctly such a thing is wrong. In biblical times, slavery was not socially considered as a wrong thing, which is why this verse is written the way it is. The first half of this sentence in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 6 was referenced by commentary. That portion reads, Obey with enthusiasm as though serving the Lord and not people. Doing what they do as to the Lord and not to men, not merely because it is the will of men and they are commanded by them and in order to please them, but because it is the will of the Lord and is well-pleasing in his sight. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. While you should see a pattern here or patterns here, let us dig deeper in these references to learn more. First, notice this from John Gill's commentary passage. Doing what they do as to the Lord and not to men. This is why we get so messed up, at least here in the States, with issues that make life more difficult than it has to be. We really need to learn. What we do, we do as to the Lord because of our chosen life with Him and how we will live with Him for eternity. Our life here, with men and women, is short. So, we do what we do as to the Lord and not to men. To think we become a child of God by salvation in Him to live life as usual is a misunderstanding of what being saved in Christ means. Even today, no one wants to pay taxes, at least among the people that I know. Yet, they do reluctantly. Many also complain about having to pay taxes. So it serves, even today, as a great example and comparative. With all that, notice what Scripture said. Obey with enthusiasm. Does that sound like a command to rid ourselves of our modern irritation and even frustration with taxes? Not to mention other things in this world? After we are told to obey with enthusiasm, there is a comma. We are then told, as though serving the Lord and not people. In this scripture passage, we are also given a reason for doing this. It's said in verse 8, because you know that each person, whether slave or free, if he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. So, in this example, if we in enthusiastically pay taxes, if we do something good, 
this good act will be rewarded by the Lord. That tells us that if we assume God will reward us for simply being a child of God through salvation, we are avoiding the work that is required into being blessed of God. To receive salvation and do nothing after that is where many American men and women are. It is not just to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, but to now get to work so others will see something different in you in such a way that they will want it also. In my mind, this is the best way to change the world. We can get lost in trying to change the world through less than successful means, keeping us so busy that we are lost to the Lord and His work we are to carry out in this world. We also need to remember this world will never be how we want it to be. Even if it is close, it will only be that way for a short period of time before it changes again for better or worse. It seems to me that is a very good reason to focus on what is more at hand and more important. Getting people into God's kingdom before he comes again. Remember, there is an awful lot of things that can distract us from being kingdom-focused because of its appeal and or our thinking it really needs to be done for greater pleasure in this life. That seems to me to be really short-sighted given, if we are saved in Christ, it is for eternity. That's salvation. So, even though we at present live here, it is only for a short amount of time, especially given the late hour of biblical prophecy we are in. For God wants you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Really? How does that work? Ye, meaning you, may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, or, as the Syriac version renders it, that ye, or, that you, may stop the mouths of those foolish men who know not God, or, as the Ethiopic version says it, who know not these things, who are ignorant of God, of his righteousness, of his law, his gospel, and ordinances. The Gentiles were very ignorant of these things, and very foolish in their imaginations about religious affairs. And from this, their ignorance and folly arose false statements maliciously made to injure the reputation of another using maliciously false statements, slander, reflections, and censures upon the people of God. They neither knew God nor them, nor true religion, and reproached what they understood not, and for want of knowing it, now the apostles signified that it was the declared will of God that his people should so behave in civil life, that their enemies should be entirely confounded and silenced and have nothing to say against them. The word signifies to be muzzled, to have the mouth shut up as with a bit or bridle. 
from the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. First note, with a bit or bridle in your mouth, it would be nearly impossible, if not totally impossible, to talk in a fashion that any listener would understand what you said to them. Now, notice this part of that commentary passage which said, The Gentiles were very ignorant of these things and very foolish in their imaginations about religious affairs. And from this, their ignorance and folly arose, false statements maliciously made to injure the reputation of another in the use of maliciously false statements, slander, reflections, and censures upon the people of God. They neither knew God, nor them, nor true religion, and reproached what they understood not, and for want of knowing it. Now the apostle signified that it was the declared will of God that his people should so behave in civil life, that their enemies should be entirely confounded and silenced and have nothing to say against them. The word signifies to be muzzled, to have the mouth shut up, as with a bit or bridle. I have found this is still very true today in churches in Northeast America. I cannot directly speak to other places, but in Northeast America, this is still very true today. In many churches I have attended, when someone does not like someone else, false statements, slander, and even censures are levied against such a person instead of ministering to them if they are deemed wrong and need to be brought better into the fold of God. When this happens, more often than not, the accusers do not know God, nor true religion, and reproached what they understood not, and for want of knowing, caused unnecessary issues that hurt the person or persons involved, as well as the church body in question. Where is the forgiveness we are supposed to relate to those needing instruction? Where is the willingness to instruct such people instead of directly going to rebuke? The answer is found in the last portion of this scripture. Live as free people, not using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor all people, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the King. Next week, our episode is titled, Submission to Authorities, Part 2. We will continue to find greater definition of what our Bible is telling us about submitting to authorities. Lay or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts or Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you would want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach 
uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titles, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our website is located at this address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.